Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 111. John and Wendy talk to Brian Adams and Charlotte Marshall. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you doing tonight, John? Wendy, I'm well. Hard to believe. Here we are in April. Uh, Chat time again, but guess what? Oh, it's a surprise. It is a surprise. (laughs) We're not telling anybody this time what it is. And it has nothing to do with the fact that we have no idea what's happening on that. No, channel. we do. We do. It, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> as we've talked about, it seems like every other time we record now, it's going to be about the chat and we wanted for yeah. once to be a surprise. So I'm going to throw a quick oh, exactly. plug out for those of you that haven't seen it yet. Our merchandise store is live. So you can buy a shirt. Yes. You can buy a mug. You can buy a onesie for your child. You can buy <laughs> wall art. You can buy pillows. It is crazy what's available. We do want to thank our friend Shannon Gallant once again for the design work. Not only can you get the Social Hour logo, but you can now get the new Wonder Woman logo, which I know, yes. Wendy, you were super excited about when Shannon got that. Oh, it's us. so awesome. It's so awesome. Um, take you back to the 70s. Um, it really has a real nice TV show Wonder Woman feel, which makes me make, makes the uh, seven-year-old in me very, very happy. <laughs> I knew you would be, and, and again, Shannon's a wonderful friend and an extremely talented artist. Thank you, Shannon. If you're, if you're looking for somebody to help you out, at SL Gallant is his Twitter handle. He is a graphic designer, storyboard artist, comic book artist extraordinaire. I'm very fortunate to count him amongst my friends. And again, check out the store. We'll have a link in the show notes. Show your show your love for the show and the community. We appreciate it very much. It's hard to believe. I was just we were talking about before we started. We met these folks, gosh, it seems like an eternity ago now at Embark, but I know it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I'll let you make the introduction. We will get started. Um, Yeah, very excited to welcome my um, fellow panel guests. Um, I got to sit on a panel with them at uh, Embark, so excited to bring them to the show tonight. Uh, First off, Brian Adams. He is the CEO founder of PH Creative. He is a speaker, blogger, podcaster, author, and he writes for Inc., Also excited to welcome Charlotte Marshall. She is Employer Brand Leader of the Year. She does recruitment marketing, a speaker, author, equestrian, and scuba diver, which, you know, we might have to talk about that a little bit too. Anyway, (laughs) so excited to welcome Brian and Charlotte to the show tonight. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Our first question, as always, because it is the social hour, what is in your glass? I feel like we're going to... Be the party boobers, but I've got I've got breakfast English breakfast tea. It's a builder's <laughs> tea, and it's a delight. And just to irritate my British um, co-author, I put I make my tea a tea latte, so I have frothy milk on top of my English breakfast tea. Really offend Brian's British sensibilities, but it's amazing. It's a sacrilege. You're just not supposed to do that to tea. <laughs> We should probably just swiftly move on. Uh, that what doesn't that fits in with doing? the. I I am drinking an Angry Orchard hard cider tonight. Okay. It's been a long week, and it's only Monday. <laughs> I am enjoying Sprite Zero. There you go. But I have to say, I think this is the first time we've had a engaging conversation about what what someone puts in their tea. So I appreciate that. I think that's the first time that's come up on this show, for sure. <laughs> Just yes. yeah. <laughs> so now, Brian and Charlotte, we we know what you're doing now, and we know that you you know you you both have this background in employer branding. How did each of you get into that space? 
I stumbled my way onto it like most employer brand practitioners because you still can't study or learn it in school. So I came from an employee communication background and I was an obvious person to turn to when the organizations I was working for started to have these talent attraction needs. And I remember the very first employer brand campaign I worked on, I was working at Ernst & Young in the early 2000s and a partner came to me and said, we have to convince 150 CPAs to move from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. We're not going to pay them anymore. Um, It's a rougher commute, higher cost of living. Can you help me? And I fell in love with the, the field then. And then over time, the opportunity started to flow more freely with a formal name and title to accompany them. <laughs> and it's a similar story for me, actually. Um, we started PH in 2004 um, and we were general digital marketing and, and branding. But um, a few years later, we started to just sort of um, accumulate recruitment related clients and then we just spotted an opportunity which was much more creative, interesting. It was like the Wild West in terms of there wasn't sort of rules and there was virgin territory to play. Um, and we fell in love with with that space. And, you know, over the following years, it started to become known as employer branding. And we just haven't looked back. It's a fantastic space to, to play in. It's one of those areas that you can still fall into. <laughs> Nobody's nobody's studying it as much. So along those lines, what do you think is the biggest misconception HR professionals have when it comes to employer branding? I don't think people still even know what it is. I think there's some (laughs) confusion around the different vernacular that we use to describe our work. And while I've seen a lot of advancements in the last couple of years, I still think that there's just this basic understanding of why it exists, what it does. And those that do have an understanding, they think it's all about attracting the talent to grow and be successful as an organization. And through years of trying and experimenting with different employer brands and working with Brian at Page Creative, um, I've learned it's as much about repelling as it is about attraction. So I think that misconception is, is still there and, and we'd like to share some thoughts on that. Yeah, and for me, it's interesting because nobody is asking, um, what is branding? Like everybody's, everybody just kind of accepts what that is and they get on with putting it to work, accepting that it's a requirement and building on top of it. So we're in this place where people are asking what is employer branding and trying to do all of the sophisticated execution of of what stands on, on top of it. And what's really interesting for us is we've seen the adoption of marketing techniques and, and what's been tried and tested in, in that world, such to a point where when, we're now getting to a point where employee branding is maturing so fast that actually it's it's time to um, to, uh, to to get rid of some of those uh, thinking and, and, and start to divert into a, a different direction because of the distinct differences between recruitment marketing and marketing and branding and employee branding. I, I like the whole because um, you talked about it at um, at Embark that repel idea. You know, you you talk about how you want people to self select. You want them to pick you for the right reasons. So, talk a little bit about you know airing. You know, I was telling someone at work today, airing your dirty laundry and letting people see the the true you. We talk about this a lot, as you can imagine, and it's actually how Brian and I met. I had just finished building an employer brand at a really successful Fortune 150 company. And at the time, it was one of the first measurable case studies on why employer brand is valuable and why people should be adopting it. Um, but the end result of that brand, because we focused solely on attraction, was 
a complete overwhelming um, applicant volume coming into our funnels, so much so that about 70% went unviewed in the ATS. So when I left that opportunity and went to my next opportunity, I was really focused on, okay, how can we still attract the talent we need to grow and be successful, but better qualify people on the front end? So we're getting more of the right talent, not just everybody applying because we're now known as a great place for career opportunities. And Brian was recommended from people in my circle and I brought this challenge to him and he introduced me to this notion of the give and the get. And repelling is really important, but it's really more about better qualifying and giving candidates more information on the front end so that they can make a more informed decision about whether or not they're up for the challenges at hand, the cultural realities, the harsh norms. Um, you'll often hear us say, if we're in a room, if it was your job to convince someone not to work at your company and you couldn't lie, what would you say? And it's a really fun game we like to play on stage because everyone looks at each other with this nervous, like, oh my God, they're going to make me say this thing. <laughs> Great people will stand up and share them. And, you know, this philosophy and methodology is really about pairing some of those challenges with the benefits that you stand to receive in return for embracing a different way of working and the results that come from that. It's, it's cool because like, airing your dirty laundry is such a good analogy. Um, but actually, if you think about it, you've got no choice. You know, you've got Glassdoor, you've got Comparably, you've got social media. Um, your dirty laundry is out there. It's just, what, do you want to influence and control the narrative or not? You know, um, you know so what we're, what we're seeing is if you tell the whole truth, the full 360 truth, including being brave and vulnerable enough to admit um, some challenges that you've got, some unfinished journeys, some harsh realities that you're either working on to change or that you're very proud of because it's how you set the bar of quality within your organization. That allows um, an external audience to self-select in or out based on more information that they need to know about the employee experience. And also what we're finding is it's a way to elevate the strengths, benefits, and opportunities inside of an organization. You know, when you acknowledge them as, a, as an employer, um, employees and associates feel um, heard, appreciated, and acknowledged. And they wear it as a badge of honor, you know, so it's a great way to get more authenticity to work for you in the right way. What I've seen, which is really cool, is that the very same message, because we're all different, that's a beautiful thing about messaging and marketing and human beings, the very same message can equally attract and repel somebody. Somebody can read it and say that hill is way too high for me to climb. I'm not interested, but appreciate and respect the fact that you let them know before they found themselves in a situation that would be untenable, where someone else will read the same message and say, okay, the hill's sufficiently high I'm in and be really drawn to the opportunity. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I think we need to do a better job of that on the whole. <laughs> Quite honestly, quite honestly, yeah. Speaking of give and get, uh, by the time this show comes out, your book, Give and Get, will have been released. Let's talk a little about, you know, what led you to write it timing-wise, and then what's it like for both of you, what's it like writing with a partner? It's interesting, that the, the approach we've taken, because I'm writing about a philosophy that we've built from the ground up inside the agency, which seems counterintuitive and goes against conventional, traditional thinking in the space, um, more out of a sort of naivety at first and something we've honed and found to work. 
And Charlotte's brought a fresh perspective of expertise at the top of a game, but what it's like to then implement and work with on the other side of the fence. So the, the book tackles both sides of um, the strategic and philosophical approach and also the practicalities of what that means to implement, um, you know, and, and a lot of practical guides as exactly how to do that, including even the business case to start with or, you know, a whole host of um, practical measures that take you right the way through start to finish. So I think that's a, a one unique aspect. Yeah. I mean, our community is growing really rapidly and I'm asked to speak often and I get hungry eyes asking the same questions over and over again. So it's always been in the back of my mind. How can I help make some of these resources that have helped me be successful, more accessible to further the community and their efforts? And then I was so inspired. You know, I had built four employer brands before meeting Brian and before working on that campaign together. And that particular project where we built Magellan House Employee Brand in 100 days for $100,000 far surpassed anything I had ever done before and literally inspired me to change the way that I will forever do my work going forward. And I think Brian and I both look at that body of work and we look at, back at it with a degree of pride, but we said it was so good because it was the combination of two different brains. He doesn't often get an experienced practitioner because we're all just doing this for the first time. And you don't often get this great new philosophy and the lessons learned from applying, you know, different thinking in other campaigns. So we we wanted to bottle that and share it. You'll often hear an agency perspective on stage or a practitioner, but very rarely the combination of both. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we feel so passionately about this that um, we, rather than educate practitioners or, or you know, small audiences or one-to-one or, you know, one-to-few, we just wanted to put it out there. And if we can put a little dent in the in employer brand universe, there's a certain amount of pride to be to be had but but it works and i think um we want to make some sort of difference in the industry don't we you know charlotte i need to ask early on you mentioned that you felt like a lot of people are not clear on what employer branding truly is is that i assume that's something you tee up early on in the book trying to clarify that for folks we tucked it away at the end of the book when we okay interesting and then we found that it took 60 pages to get to the good stuff if you go through all this level setting so okay. as the audience is a bit more educated, we actually start with the big idea and we did tuck away at the back for anyone who needs that information, the common terms, definitions, the resources, and links to all sorts of other community members that can help further the education in the space. Awesome. Well, very much looking forward to it. Um, I think I've got my pre-order all set, so <laughs> very excited about it. We are in a very challenging time right now, globally. I don't think we can get away from not talking about it. It's, it's you know, just the way it is right now. So how has that affected your own schedules? And what do you think organizations should be doing to maintain their brands in a positive way? My schedule has been completely obliterated. Uh, <laughs> um, but actually, I think, uh, you know, I don't think I'm alone in that. And, and I think organizations are having to scramble to be um, agile and think differently and, and act differently. One, to, you know, for the safety of the people. Um, two, for um, business continuity, you know. And those two tensions are working against each other right now um, pretty dynamically. And I think what's really nice is if, if ever there's been a time to get a return on investment or leverage practically your EVP, it's now because people want certainty and they want clarity and they want reassurance. 
So simple communication is is key. Um, but in giving get and play branding, um, what we talk about is this idea of of proposition. You know, so what have I got to give, and what do I get in return? You know, and, and the same goes now. So in times of a crisis, there's an opportunity to say, hey, here's a directive with clarity and simplicity, and here's what we want in return. Here's what we're doing for you, and here's what we want. And that is that is good, solid communication. And if you then add that layer of, um, you know, familiarity, which is another sort of psychological comfort um, of language that people have heard before, then they get to experience the employer brand and see the value personally and as a team and ultimately what we're trying to do especially now in in um, times of challenge is dial up impact dial up a sense of purpose and probably um more than most uh, a sense of belonging you know and, and this is the time to put your evp uh, into practice and if if you haven't got one um then actually sit back and watch you're about to see what your people and you decide it is in a time of, of tension and stress you're about to learn a lot about your own culture yeah i think we saw that this week hit the twitter channels with the wall street journal example and an employee tweeted out um, a directive they got from their leadership team about how to work from home and the cliff notes version is you're mandated to have your I am on at all times and answer within a couple of minutes. Your video must be fully enabled for every meeting that you have, unless it significantly impacts bandwidth and to let your manager know in advance that that's going to happen and to not screen any phone calls. Make mm-hmm. sure that you answer every single phone call that comes in. Yeah. And pretty quickly, everyone was like, wow, what a horrible place to work. You're not being trusted. We all have kids that are in quarantine that all the schools are shutting down and they're you know, now in our home offices while we're figuring out how to work remote. And if you're not showing empathy and support and trust for your folks, not only are they experiencing it and starting to consider whether or not that's a good long-term solution, they're also blasting you on social media and letting everyone else know. Everybody gets to know every mistake you made. You know, you know, sometimes you just need to turn off the phone or turn off the IM to do some work because that, that can get really distracting super fast. Um, I actually did that last week when I was working at home it was, and then my boss emailed me after I turned my email back on because I forgot to turn my IM back on. Whoops. Sorry. I am working. Brian, Charlotte, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half hour question connection. First question. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? I was a huge equestrian horse nut, so I wanted to be a horse trainer. I wanted to be a fine artist. Fine artist? Mm-hmm. Any particular medium? So yeah, painting and illustration. I, I went to art school and fell in love. With, my dad's a fantastic artist, and um, I was always surrounded by great artists in the family. Actually, so I, I, I just thought that would be a phenomenal way to, um, you know, to spend your life. And if everything blows up, he's still a fantastic artist. So <laughs> <laughs> you can always go get some paint. <laughs> Who's one person that each of you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? I fell absolutely head over heels with a new tech product that I'm piloting and rolling out right now. And it's called All True. It's a video platform that helps you create employee generated content at scale and expensively. And their CEO and founder, Ali Khan, is one of the nicest, smartest, most driven young entrepreneurs in our field. I would say that um, we, we've just hired our first ever chief people officer. Cher Murphy, and she's made 
an incredible difference. Almost like if, it felt like we, we grew up overnight, actually. It's like, oh, we've got to keep it. Um, but she's been a breath of fresh air. She's really impacted the culture well and helped me sort of solidify a lot of things. But, and who she doesn't know isn't worth knowing. And she's been an inspiration to me in the last few weeks, actually. So a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? So for me, I would tell them we're going to pretend they're an employer brand professional working in the HR field. Um, it's two things. One, if you don't already have an employer brand, make sure you're considering this two-way mutual value exchange, the give and the get, because it has really transformed the results of the work that I've led when I've done it both ways. And the second for the HR leader who's employing and funding the work, an employer brand is not a set it and forget it thing. And it's not, it's a living and breathing thing. And it needs to change and evolve as the needs, wants, desires of the market change. So if you've created it in the, you know, five years ago, three years ago, it's probably time to revisit it and make sure that it's still valid. It's not something that's just a set it and forget it proposition. Yeah, I think that that is that sound advice. For me, I think I would say um, whatever project or priority you have on your desk, take a minute to align with the uh, priorities and objectives of the business. Because um, I guarantee whatever challenges or directives exist in HR, you, if you align with what's on the CEO's desk, underneath that, there will be a people problem or a challenge or an obstacle. Um, you know, so to make that alignment and then get smart about the metrics. You know, so instead of in talent attraction, looking at volume, look at percentage of valued applicants, for example. And then um, a lot of organizations measure the likes of retention. Um, and actually, if you, you get smarter about that, lean into find out, OK, so what percentage of those people would you rehire? You know, what's the regrettable loss? Um, you know, because there's a big difference in if you're losing people that you're glad to lose or you're losing people that you're rising stars and top performers. Measure what matters uh, would be my top, top piece of advice and align your priorities with what's on the CEO's desk. How do you all enjoy giving back to the HR, employer branding, or even your community at large? Getting out and chatting, I think. You know, everyone who knows me well knows that I have a debilitating fear of public speaking that I've worked really hard to overcome the last five years. And I'll never forget one day, it was probably like one of the biggest stages I was speaking on and I was nervously pacing the back of the room and a young practitioner came up to me and she saw me getting mic'd up. Someone said my name and she said, wait, you're Charlotte Marshall. Like I came early to hear your talk and I'm going through this challenge and I really need some advice. And it grounded me and calmed me down to the point where it was probably one of the best talks I ever gave because I remembered why I was there and the enjoyment. Because we face so many political circumstances trying to drive the level of change a newly created position and a newly created employer brand entails. And when you're young in your career, those giants seem like well beyond what you're capable of slaying when it comes to pushing that level of difference in your organization. So as I've grown in my techniques and confidence, I think over the years, I enjoy giving people that same level of confidence and encouragement so that they can push their organizations forward. And you mentor a lot of people as well. Like you seem to collect people who <laughs> want mentoring and she always says yes. And yeah. Spends a lot of time mentoring people with nice to see. And I, you know, I've tried to take a leaf out of that book as well, but um you know, I feel, I feel like we've spent 12 months sort of putting our heart and soul into literally everything we know about employer branding to the point where we're now ready to give it away. So I guess I guess that's that's something we give into the community. But 
we love nothing more than um, going into every new client relationship, knowing that we're about to learn something from them as well as sort of guiding them through the employee brand process. And I'm being really honest about that afterwards and sharing it with our community um, in writing about it and encouraging our, our clients to write about it as well, because it's the best way to evolve the industry. And, you know, if, if we're all learning together, I've got to say the employer branding community out of all professional communities I've sort of been part of a witness is the most giving and sharing community. So it's, it's, it's a credit to, um, it's more of a tribe. I mean, we've really banded together out of survival, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause only alone in our organizations, right. you don't have a team around you who can, bounce ideas off of or validate, stretch your thinking. Mm -hmm. So we've created forums and there's conferences and events. And I think because of that, we, we do share in a way that's pretty uncanny, not only what's working, but what's not working so that we can all progress together. And I think that's something we're proud to be part of and contribute to and also benefit from. Awesome. All right. Favorite movie. I mean, I'm a Thelma and Louise girl through and through. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> if you asked me when I was a kid, I would have said mannequin because I went, I rented mannequin every Oh my gosh. For probably five years. And it's still a guilty pleasure. I, you know what? If I saw that on TV, that's one of those movies that I stop and watch. It yeah. just is. I haven't seen it in forever, but yeah. Let's watch it this weekend. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this is like a, a question that I could disappear down a rabbit hole. Like if you said you could give me a genre and, and a decade. But I'll say Jerry Maguire wins out narrowly or is top of my list. Jerry Maguire. How about your favorite musicians or bands? I'm going to go with um, Coldplay or Ocean Coliseum. I'm a lady antebellum girl. How about a favorite TV show? Modern Family. Billions. I haven't watched Modern Family in a while. Oh, it's so good. It's good. It is a good show. It's good when you're at the end of the day, end of your wit's end, and you don't want to think, and you just want to like have a little laugh and then feel good before you go to bed. It's the perfect way to end the day. I have to tell you both, typically these we get the most feedback as these are the hardest questions anybody answers. <laughs> you all were so quick. Yeah. The point. Like usually we're we're having these extended conversations. Now we've heard We've heard Coldplay quite a few times lately. We've heard Modern, Modern Family a few times over the years. I can safely say we've never heard Mannequin. No. Oh, no. Hollywood Montrose for the win. And Lady Annabellum, I went to college in Tennessee, and some of the people in that band went to my school. And one of the choir teachers I used to work with, she taught them as high school kids. You're so, so lucky. You know, it's, it's weird. It's that weird thing I try to do to make connections. If you're not watching those movies or you're not listening to that type, those different bands and musicians or not watching television, what else do you like to do outside of work? Chance would be a fine thing for me. Um, I, I like to um, narrowly drown while pretending to surf. Um, <laughs> or I, I still I still pick up a, a pencil or a brush every, every now and again. Um, you know, and I go to the gym, but not frequently enough for it to count. <laughs> no. I de-stress by going to hot yoga, like the crazy hot yoga with weights where you're kind of taking everything out, but you're getting positive mantras while you're enduring, physically enduring situations. You feel like you might die and then you walk out a happier person. (laughs) That's me. Um, And we also live in a little beach town called Coronado, just a little outside of San Diego. And we just moved to this house where you can literally bike everywhere. So we have little beach cruisers and we love to spend time biking around 
biking up to the Hotel Dell and getting margaritas on the beach. <laughs> Almost always find us there if it's a nice Rub place. it in. Rub it in. We get it. We get it. <laughs> um, when the quarantine is over, we'll be back there enjoying watermelon margaritas on the beach. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I'm going to assume that's going to be part of the answer to the next question, but it is Brian and Charlotte Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? We're drinking watermelon margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Watermelon <laughs> <laughs> concert. We don't do enough live music, but live music has to be part of it. Yeah. I feel guilty for not saying the Beatles now. We could, it's it, we're not editing, you could say it. <laughs> His karaoke version of Twist and Shout. That should be part oh. of karaoke, Beatles karaoke. Yeah, okay, we do that on we do that on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not, not so not. if we if we do end up in San Diego this summer, if uh, the virus doesn't shut everything down, we may have to plan a karaoke night just so we can hear Brian doing Twist and Shout. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that would be a, a version where Brian Adams singing live is not a good idea. <laughs> we'll do it at Santa's Pub, yeah. where we did it a few years ago before Talent Connect. Yeah, It's a double-wide trailer, karaoke bar, and it was probably one of the best karaoke nights with HR professionals we've ever seen. We saw the American Airlines TA team go up against and battle the Delta TA team. <laughs> It was incredible. Yeah, it was wow. What phenomenal, yeah. That is awesome. It is safe to say that Beatles karaoke and watermelon margaritas have not been mentioned <laughs> in celebrations of anybody's day so far. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Brian, Charlotte, it has been an absolute joy spending some time tonight. Yeah. Really appreciate you making time for, for this conversation. I know some of the listeners that may not know you or haven't been connected now that they've heard you here will want to what's the best way for them to reach you you know either ph creative the new book what, whatever and any anything and everything you want to tell us in terms of how to get get a hold of you out there so you can visit um ph-creative.com to see more about um ph creative or you can visit uh, givingget.net to um, see more about the book or you can skip all that, go directly to Amazon and hit that one click to buy button. I'm on LinkedIn and you can catch me on givingget.net. We will have that in the show notes. Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you out there? The uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily, D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, second and fourth Sunday of each month, please join us on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time for our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com. Define the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share anything you can do to help boost the signal. We always appreciate. International listeners, send us a note. I know right now it's crazy times, but we still have a gift for you. Yes. We'd love to send it along, but we need we need you to tell us where you are and how, <laughs> how to send that little gift to you. Yes. So please do that. Brian and Charlotte, really appreciate your time tonight. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all soon. <laughs>